how this quit. Well, Steve asked for it. So I'm here. Uh, I hope you get settled in. This won't take no more than about five, six, seven hours at the most, okay? <laughs> I'm just playing. So today we're going to be talking about evangelism. And exactly like the song said, we need to go and give just like we were given. Uh, Isaiah said, uh, here I am, Lord, send me. Unfortunately, most of us say, here I am, Lord, send anybody, anybody but me. Um, why don't we share the gospel with our family and friends, our neighbors? Why don't we do it? I think it's because of fear. I think we're afraid that we'll look weird or out of touch. And I'm just saying that I'm not afraid of that because I'm already weird and out of touch. <laughs> so uh, I think it's because of that. Uh, I think uh, we're afraid because we may not have the right answers. Somebody may ask a question. If we present the gospel to them, they may ask a question. We feel, we feel that we're afraid because we don't have the right answer to that question. Uh, I think we're afraid sometimes because it, it may strain or make the relationships that we have with people awkward. And uh, I think that's why we're afraid. But most of all, I think we're afraid because if people reject the gospel, we also think that they will reject us. And I think that's why we're most afraid. Uh, I think fear keeps us from our God-given mission. Jesus directs us as his disciples to go and teach all nations. And in the best I can tell, all nations includes Ashkem. Okay? So best I can tell, it includes Ashkem. David tells us to declare the glory, to declare God's glory among the heathen, which again may include Ashkem, I'm just saying, and among all his people, which also includes County. Most of you may not know William Clement Stone, but he said, thinking will not overcome fear, but action will. Action. Taking action. So what kind of action do we need to take? Well, Paul, writing to Timothy, gives us lessons. He tells us that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and profitable for several things, including instruction. So if you feel that you don't know how to share the gospel or how to witness to people, it's what's available to us. It's all right here. So scripture, uh, so what does scripture specifically, Jesus, what does he teach us about sharing the gospel? So I'd like to open with prayer. Father, Open our hearts and minds, our bodies, to what your son's actions teach us about personal evangelism. Help us, O oh Lord, to absorb like a sponge his lessons on sharing the gospel and then act on what we've learned. Help us, Heavenly Father, fear not and proclaim boldly the good news of Jesus Christ among all people. Amen. So Jesus, uh, most of the time we realize that Jesus' message was a public message. He was preaching and teaching. Uh, primarily, that's what 
he also engages in personal evangelism in at least two sections in Scripture. One, in John 3, where Nicodemus approaches him, and Jesus shares the good news. And then for our text today would be John chapter 4, where Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. So today's scripture, uh, one of the things I'd like to look at before we get started uh, for our week's scripture is, you know, a lot of a lot, the last few weeks, almost all the messages and stuff have been equating the battle that we're in with Satan and his folks with our team on Jesus' side. And looking at this message to this morning, I started thinking about how battles and recruiting come to play. Anytime that we're out spreading the gospel, guess what we're doing? We're recruiting for God's army. And I don't know about you, but if I was in a battle, I would want as many people on my side as possible. Okay? Not that we need them, because the Lord is all powerful and doesn't need that, but we in God's army need as much support as possible. So we need to go out and recruit. And I wanted that, that's the message that I want to bring today. So let's turn to John chapter 4. Um, we're, I'm going to read verses. We're going to cover the whole chapter. That's why I said it should take more than about seven hours. But I'm going to read the first ten verses. If you would please stand on the reading of the Lord. When, therefore, the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Or Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So, one of, the, one of the first things we see here, uh, now, in, in the scripture there, it says that he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. And in verse 4, if you look at that, and it says he must needs, must needs go through Samaria. Well, first of all, he's Jesus. He don't need to do anything. And there was two other ways to get there. So why does it say he has to go through Samaria? It doesn't really give us a lot of detail here, but when I was studying for this 
today, I found at least six other times in John where Jesus was describing his mission for his father. He was there to do the business of his father. And it doesn't really tell us here whether he prayed the night before they got up to leave the next morning, but I'm sure it was a habit of Jesus to pray continually. And I'm, I'm guessing, and it's my belief, that Jesus got the message from his father that he needed to go to Samaria and witness to the Samaritan woman. Doesn't really tell us, but I'm guessing. So the first thing we, uh, first thing I'd like to read to you is a quote from Churchill, because we're going to be talking about contacting people and connecting with people. Churchill once said, "Vast and fearsome as the human scene has become, personal contact with the right people in the right places at the right time may have a potent and valuable part to play in the cause of peace, which is in our hearts." This morning down in Sunday school, we were talking about peace. And uh, here it is again. We're talking about peace. The peace of, in our hearts, peace of the world. Contact with people is important. When people are not coming to Christ, I believe it's because we, the people, are not going to the people to bring them to Christ. Uh, may I remind you that a stranger is nothing more than a friend you haven't met yet. So all these people that pass you by every day in the shopping centers, when you go get your hair done, maybe what it said to me, I'm kind of easy for me, but, uh, when you go get your hair done, when you're shopping, when you're going to school, when you're going to work, all these people passing you by could be a contact. And it's just another friend that you haven't met yet. That's all it is. So contact and connection are a must if we're going to be fruitful sharing the gospel. We have to do it. The only way you can share it is you can't be talking to yourself. I was, that's what I was hoping this morning when uh, Steve said he was going to be gone. I was like, well, hopefully everybody after Sunday school will leave and go home. I can stand up here and talk to myself because I do that all the time. <laughs> Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. So y'all are here and I'm going to talk to you. So uh, do you hear or see Christianity in your talking walk? When you're out and about, do people see do they hear your Christian talk? If they don't, how are you sharing the gospel? It's got to be one way or the other, or you're not sharing it at all. Uh, we cannot be fishers of men if we stay inland. We've got to go to the bank of the river. We've got to go to the shore of the oceans if we're going to be fishers of men. That's the only way to do it. We've got to go where the fish are. So, if you see here in must needs go through Samaria, I ask why, and I think, like I said, I think it's because Jesus was conducting his father's business. I believe that's what it is. There's a lot of other commentaries that say other things, but I believe it's because Jesus was conducting his father's business. I think that's why he was there. Um, so Jesus and his father, in unity, created an opportunity to contact somebody. They made it. Could have went the other way. Would they have had the same success? Would they have contacted somebody? No. They made it on purpose. On purpose, they made a contact with somebody. So, uh, how and with whom do we create, create opportunities to make our own contacts? How do we do it at home with our family, our friends, our neighbors? How many people don't even know their neighbors? I'm all about social distancing, but when it comes to the gospel, 
got to get out there. You know your neighbors by name? Have you made contact with them? Have you connected with them in some way? So we've got to do that at work with our colleagues, our employers, our leadership teams. How many times have we talked to them and come across something they said that might have sparked a conversation about the gospel, but we let it pass by. We didn't hear it. We were listening, but we weren't hearing How many times did that happen? So we've got to create contact or opportunities for uh, contact there. And we can do it at school. Whether you're a teacher or a student, you can do it with fellow students, with faculty, with administration in the schools. There's, we come into contact with people everywhere. So anywhere we are and there's other people, we can create a contact. What Jesus did here by going a different way than what everybody suspected, going into Samaria and making contact. What other kind of places can you think of? Any places you may shop or get your hair cut anywhere. So Jesus also connected with the Samaritan woman. How did he connect with her? Well, if you look at Scripture, the first thing he did was he asked for a drink, right? Now I'd like to point out here what happened, right? What did she say? The woman, the woman in Samaria to him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, hast drink of me, which is a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans, right? That's another reason that Jews normally didn't go that way is because they tried to avoid it at all costs. Why did they try to avoid the Samaritans? The Jews thought that the Samaritans were an impure race because Assyria attacked the northern Israel country, took all the prisoners away, left a team of people back there to make sure for security and stuff, and they inbred. And they, they thought the Samaritans were impure because they weren't pure Jews, because of the Assyrians. So they tried to avoid it. But here in the woman, when Jesus asked about the drink, what does she do? She gets all indignant. Jew, why are you talking to me? You know, not only that, you're a man and I'm a woman. Why are you talking to me? Asking for a drink, you know? So that's what happens here. And Jesus goes on to tell her that if she knew who he was, here he says the, the gift of God, right? In verse uh, 10, when we get there, another thing that Jesus did when he was talking to Nicodemus is he also expressed that he was a gift of God. We always, we always read that, but we don't realize that Jesus was telling people that as well. He told Nicodemus, and again here with the Samaritan woman, he tells her. If we listen in here, we can always find something. Uh, scripture makes it clear that we're to talk, uh, talk to or spread the gospel to all people, not just the folks like us, different people. Uh, we do not let our own biases keep us from sharing the good news about Jesus. So that's what this 9 and 10 are all about there. If we listen, we can hear always hear something in our conversations that help us connect with another person. There's something that they may say, uh, a reaction that they may have to something that you say. There's something in the conversation that will help us connect with somebody else. John Maxwell, one of my uh, mentors, for a long time, uh, he once told me that uh, everyone communicates, but not everybody connects. So it's 
up to us when we are communicating with people that we connect with. And there's all kinds of different ways you can do that. But, I mean, first of all, pay attention to them. Don't be sitting there on your little digital devices doing this while they're talking and you're trying to go like this. Just divide it. Divide and conquer things. It ain't going to happen. So pay attention to them. Another thing, if we're teaching people, it's all, if we're one-on-one, -on -one, it's always good to sit how. What do you think? If you're, if you're one on one with somebody, how should you sit with them? Facing them? How about instead make them feel more comfortable sitting beside them facing the same direction because you're wanting to take them somewhere, right? So facing them is kind of hard to do that. So sit right next to them. Open your Bible. Share the gospel with them and show them where you want to go and take them there. So it's a team effort. Uh, one time... Uh, story about connection real quick. When I was recruiting for the military, I recruited for 13 years. I don't know if everybody knows that or not, but uh, recruiting for the military is about the same as sharing the gospel. People don't connect. They don't make contacts. They don't go out and make contacts. One time, we were invited to this school, all the recruiters for the different branches of service, right? And all of us vying for the same recruits. So we were invited to this school. I happened to be the last one speaking. There was four of us. So the, and we had 15 minutes apiece. So each one of the people that got up before me took a little longer than 15 minutes talking to the audience of school kids that were out there. The Marine guy that was right in front of me took forever. He took like 25 minutes. So by the time I got up there, I didn't have very much time before lunch break because at lunchtime they were supposed to meet us in the lunchroom at our tables, right? So I got up there and in order to connect quickly with them because I didn't have time, I walked out and I didn't say a word. I looked around, looked at everybody, and said, well, my Marine Corps brethren took all my time. I don't have a lot of time, but looking at the audience, there's only about 10 or 12 of me that are qualified so I'll see you 10 or 12 at lunchtime. And I left. And at lunchtime, I had like 40 people out there wondering who the 10 or 12 was. So, and the Marine Corps guy didn't have anything. So you've got to connect with people on a personal basis. And that's what it takes sometimes. Not everyone connects on the same level at the same time. Sometimes, if we're giddy about the gospel, we get out there and we're trying to spread it, gung-ho, everything, just like in recruiting, what happens is we go faster than the person is moving with us. We don't take them with us. We're moving at one speed, they're moving at another. So we have to slow down. We have to understand when to slow down, when to speed up. It's not in the conversation that the magic happens. It's in the connections that we make and the relationships that we build from it is where the magic happens. And that's where it's going to happen. So if you look at uh, Scripture again, we're going to start reading chapter and verse 10 again. Jesus answered and said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me a, give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob? gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh 
of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him, he sh him shall be in him well, a well of springing up until everlasting life. The woman saith to him, Give me, sir, this water that I thirst not, neither come it here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. So what happened was she was speeding ahead, and Jesus saw a need to slow down, right? Because she was thinking living water is one thing, and he knew it was something different. So he had to prove that he knew what he was talking about. So this is where he challenged her. The next step for recruiting people is going to be challenging. After Jesus makes a connection with a woman, he challenges her, and she starts getting ahead, way ahead, thinking something different than what he was thinking of, so he realized that he had to slow down and try. This challenge part, us challenging somebody, their thinking, their beliefs, is probably the most difficult job for most of us. Because we don't like to cause an uproar. Fortunately, I'm a professional at it. So. <laughs> but uh, this is the most difficult part for most, most Christians. We, we have to turn our conversations from polite conversation to spiritual matters. And that's where we find difficulty sometimes when we're trying to witness to people. Usually there's a tipping point in the conversation. It could be an event in the news. And if you watch the news, there's all kinds of events going on right now. Uh, it could be a difficulty that that person happens to be going through right now. They bring it up, you start talking about it a little bit, that could be the tipping point. It could be the death of a loved one, a friend or a family member. It could be um, maybe they're facing their own death. It could be perhaps maybe questions that they don't understand about Scripture. Um, I had, had people one time, some people, different people, when I was witnessing to them, say, you know, I would read the Bible, but I don't understand all that. You know, I really. I said, I, I guess you all noticed too. I didn't find it too complicated because I guess you all noticed too that he didn't call it the Ten Suggestions. Right? So it's pretty simple to me, but apparently they didn't understand. So you have to sometimes take them along. Um, our own, our own uh, concern for the tipping points is important. Conversation, uh, steering that person toward, towards Christ. We have to be able to recognize when we get to that tipping point in our relationship with somebody. When they're talking about it and they start asking more questions and all that shit, something should go off in our mind and heart and go, ding! Hey, this person's interested. Let's get this going here. So then you start talking to them about it. And that, that tipping point's important because that's when we can take it from polite conversation into spiritual matters and lead them to the cross in Jesus. Important. Um, this is, uh, like I was talking about before, this is where usually, this is usually when we do recognize that tipping point, we want to jump right in with both feet. We want to tell them everything. Start Genesis 1-1, go all the way through the Bible, right? That's what happens. And But we have to learn to slow ourselves down. The spiritual woman Wanting, wanted in this verse the living water, but she wasn't sure, exactly sure what Jesus was talking about. So Jesus had to slow her down and provide some groundwork. So then what does he do? He's going to confirm what he's talking about. 
So he tells her to invite her husband, knowing full well that she had had five husbands and the man she was currently living with was not her husband. So the woman again jumps ahead and thinks for sure Jesus is a prophet. It says right here, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast, not thy husband, and that saidst thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet, a messenger of God. How else would you know that? So, again, she's a little confused. She's on the right track now, but she's a little confused. So, um, when we go on down here, or wait, let me go through this. Okay, so there was one time uh, that I was witnessing to somebody that was a little confused too. I was witnessing to them, we were on a good track, you know, building some connection. We had already made contact, I was building some connection. We get to where we're going to turn the conversation, and I invited him to church. And he said, you know, I would go to church. But there ain't nothing down there that better about your hypocrites. And this is where he got to have a good answer. So I looked him right in the eye. I said, friend, do not let that stop you. We've got room for one more. <laughs> so <laughs> when the tipping point comes, make sure you have the answer right direction, but not too fast. Okay, so the next step that Jesus gives us here is confirmation. We started with that already because she's on the right track, but she thinks he's a prophet. So we must first and foremost, in order for confirmation, when I'm talking about confirmation, I'm talking about they have to know that, first of all, you're a Christian. They have to know that by your talking your walk. Second of all, they have to know that you know what you're talking about. Not just that you're a Christian, but you know that you know what you're talking about. And second of all, they're going to look at your actions. They're going to look. Is this person telling me all this stuff just to say it, or are they actually living? So they're going to want to know. So they're going to be looking for all that in you. People normally make up their minds about a person in the first four or five seconds if you walk in a room. So that does not give you a lot of time to make a first impression. And you've got to build on that. So first, uh, I, I looked at, when I was looking at this part of it, the confirmation part, I, I looked at military leadership. Part of the military leadership teaches that we are, as leaders, to be, know, and do. That's military leadership. 101. So we have, first of all, we have to be Christians. We have to ourselves be what we say we are. If we're not, one of the things I always tell people, it's hard to give away what you don't have. So it's important for us to be Christians. We, we have to know, believe fully that God sent His Son here for us to die on the cross for our sins and to be born again the third day that he may give us everlasting life. We have to know, be, we, 
meant to be just like a sponge. When he squeezes, that's what comes out of us. That's what we have to be. The next thing we have to know, we have to know a couple of things. First of all, we have to know Scripture. First of all, Scripture, we have to know for our own development, not only for our own development, but also that we may share what's in there. Again, you can't share what you don't have. So it's important that we know it. Second thing we have to know is our own story. A lot of people, if you ask them about themselves, they, I've done this in job interviews before, ask people about, about themselves and they get all flustered. Like they don't know about their own life that they've been living or something. So it's important that we know our own story, our own testimony of what happened in our lives before and after we met Christ. Why is it important for that? Because people are moved, they're inspired by stories, especially personal stories that can lead them to Christ. So it's important that we know Scripture, it's important that we know our own stories. And if you're one of those people in, like in the job interviews that start babbling when you ask them about themselves, it's important maybe you get with somebody, have them write down details of your life so that you can build like a little outline to go from so that you get used to telling your story to other people. It's important. It's an important part of it. So we must know those two things. Um, and lastly, we must practice the disciplines necessary to grow in our faith and do those things. Be no do. Do those things that Jesus commands of his disciples. Because you may read disciples in Scripture may just be a word for you, but if you are in Christ, then guess what you are? You, my friend, are a disciple. A learner growing in Christ toward maturity in Christianity so that in the end we'll be a So the do part is very important. Confirmation is best shown through Christian hospitality and kindness. Through our lifestyles, so this part, this step, this confirmation part is shown through hospitality, kindness, our lifestyles, uh, solid knowledge of Scripture. We say things like, uh, is there anything I can do? Uh, if there's anything I can do for you, Mr. Neighbor, please let me know. And then we leave it at that. So Christian charity goes a lot deeper than that. When we love our neighbors as we love ourselves, that charity is going to go we oftentimes will walk up to people and uh, first thing we can do is look at them and we can tell something is amiss, right? What's the first thing we say to them? What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, and, and words are important, right? So how, do, how is what's wrong with you different than saying, So it's important that our words, words are important, especially words impacted with emotion. So it's very important. So make sure we say the right thing. Uh, another thing, what, what if a person has, in this confirmation part, what if a person says, uh, you're talking with them and you find out that their mother just passed away? 
what do we as Christians most of the time do? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I remember when my mother died. So what, what are you doing when you say those things? Are you showing Christian love and charity? What if you said instead, hey, I'm sorry to hear that, man. I come over and pray with you. Or what if instead you said, hey, may I come over and share some scriptures with you that comforted me when my mother passed away? You know, so it's a different viewpoint on looking at it, but that's how you share the gospel. That's how you confirm that you know what you're talking about, you are what you say you are, and that you do the things that Christ has commanded us to. So that's kind of important. I tried to make this font big enough so I wouldn't have to put my glasses on. It didn't work. I'm kind of nervous. Maybe made my eyes blurry. There's <laughs> uh, another way for confirmation. What if uh, you talk with your neighbor, you make that contact, right? You make that connection, you start building a relationship with that person, and then all of a sudden a storm blows through your neighborhood. Strong winds that like that never happens in that County, right? And you look over at your neighbor's house the next day, and you see there's a tree laying across the house. Where does Christian charity come in there? Would you walk over to that neighbor's house and say, Hey, I noticed there's a tree laying in your house. And there's a storm going on. Would you like to come into the drive over at our house and get dried out tonight? Or would you like us to bring you a meal over here? Because apparently if the tree's laying in your house, you're not going to be able to do that stuff. Especially if it's in the kitchen. How, how can we show our Christian charity then? How can we confirm that we are who we say we are, that we know what we're talking about, and that we do the things of Christ? The next part of it is important. Uh, so, opportunities to share, first of all, to contact, connect, and then to confirm who we are. They come and go all the time. Every single day, every single moment of the day, those opportunities are passing us by. So it's up to us to do something with them. The next step is the call to action. And in recruiting, one of the things I found out quick is you could share all the information you want to about the military, but if you didn't ask, they're not going to enlist. So we got to ask. In our text, we saw how Jesus brought his conversation to the spiritual woman uh, to a head. He made contact with her. He connected with her. And then he told her what he offered. Right? And then he confirmed not only he knew what he was talking about when she called him a prophet, but also that he was a Messiah. If you look down in the verses uh, down here in 20 to 26 or so, you'll see that the woman's still a little off track, so she starts trying to redirect after he told her about her husband and her lifestyle, she tries to redirect him by saying, whoa, you know, the Jews, since they're different from us, say that you have to see the Lord in the temple in Jerusalem. And we Samaritans, we say that you have to see the Lord on the mountain up here in Samaria. So which is it? And Jesus confirmed who he was by telling her when you worship the Father, you worship him in spirit. It, it 
not a place. It's the being of God, and He's in spirit. So when you worship Him, you worship Him in spirit. And she said that the Messiah was supposed to be coming. And He confirmed that it was Him that she was talking about. So, but then He had a call to action, right? Don't really specify it, but she believed on it, apparently. Because what, what she does next to our text, we saw how Jesus did that, how he confirmed that he was Messiah, and he left it to her to make the decision and to believe and follow. At this point in the relationships that we've cultivated in our lifetimes, now, would you say that Josh knows at least five people that I don't know? So he can witness to at least five people that I don't witness to, right? Would you say you know at least five people I don't know? If you think about that, how many people are in Ash County? Almost 30,000, so we'll get there in a minute. So at this point, we've uh, cultivated our relationships, we've asked for a decision, and it could be a small decision. It don't have to be a life-changing decision right now, but it's a call to action. So we've been talking to them about Scripture, right? We've converted, we went from conversational pieces to spiritual matters. We've converted over there. We've got them going a little bit, so we need to ask for a decision now. Does it need to be a decision to accept Christ right away? It's going to be up to them. We have to look at them and be able to see what's going on with that person. This is where I can't give you any advice other than Pay attention, pay attention, because they may agree to a Bible study, or they may agree to come as a visitor to the church, but maybe not a commitment to Christ yet. But we have to get them to commit to something, because we can't keep carrying it on. And I'm going to talk about that here in just a minute. So we have to get them to commit to something, whether it's a Bible study or a lunch, Maybe just a, a lunch, a one-on-one -on -one lunch, and you bring your Bible and say, hey, look at this right here. You know, what do you think about that? Maybe something small, small little steps, or it may be something big. Maybe they want to jump right in. You can handle that as well. Something, anything, you've got to get them to commit to something. Um, but we don't want to go too far too fast now, because that's, when, that's what turns people off sometimes. Um, with every sales pitch, every Bible study, every sermon, just like today's, every time that we are talking to people, there is always, always, if you're successful, there's always a call to action. Call to action. Can't just give them the information and then expect them to do something with it on their own. We have to make a call for them. Um, and I found that out since recruiting is my wheelhouse, I found out real quick if you don't ask, they ain't coming. So you gotta ask. Another thing I discovered uh, was what we call dump trucking. You ever heard of dump trucking before? So let me give you an example of it. We already talked about a little bit of this. When you start at Genesis 1-1, right? And you go through the whole entire, and then, then ask for a decision, that's too much stuff. Just like if you go buy a car, right? You need to know everything about that car before you buy it. What if the salesman said, hey, I'm glad you're interested in this car. Why don't you come with me? And he takes you out to the garage and he gets here and he opens the manual and says, okay, let's start with the left front fender. 
I only need to know about a half a dozen things to make the decision, right? Unfortunately, a lot of people try to dump truck on people. Whether it's calling them to the gospel or recruiting them in the military, they're always trying to dump truck, give way too much information, they get excited. Ooh, 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 I got one. Let's give all this information real quick. Right? When you only need just a little bit. Usually about a half a dozen pieces of information and you get them started on the track. Once you get them on there, then you can keep leading them a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And the next step is conversion. At some point, and there's no set time, people are different. People move at different speeds. People think differently. Some people don't think at all. But people think differently. They make decisions on different timelines than what you may want them to make. So the next thing we've got to ask for a conversion. Uh, one guy that I talked to in the military, I, I was talking to him, I was trying to recruit him, right? Got him all excited, and he kept not showing up. Turned me down, saying no. And back in recruiting, we used to say, if they say no, you say next. And you go on to the next person. But I did build a, I, mean, I contacted this person. I built a solid connection with him and his family. And I worked on this guy for three years before he finally decided to enlist in the military. So some people you bring the gospel to may say no at first. They may turn away from you. But keep with it. Keep in contact. Keep building that connection with that person. And eventually they'll come. What happened with this guy was I was fortunate. And we're going to talk about multiplication here in a few minutes. But... I got to this person, I recruited him, and because I had built this solid relationship with him and his family, I also recruited the same day his brother and sister. So I got a three out of it. So it's important to build that relationship, make that contact, keep it going. We must continually ask. Now, they may say no, so you stop asking for a little bit. Then you start building connection again. Then you go back and ask again. Don't ever, don't ask. You got to ask. What does Scripture say about asking? Ask and ye. Come on, you all know this, right? Okay, so we got to ask. We don't want to force. We don't want to pressure. But we want to ask. What's the next step? Hey, how about having lunch with you? I'll bring my Bible. We can do, look over a few verses. You tell me what you think. We'll go through them together. Right? So we've got to ask. Don't give up on them. But, then again, neither should we linger with that person. If they're not ready to make a decision, go to the next one. You think you can do that? There's lots of people to do that. They say no, you say next. Right? So, in sharing the gospel is much the same as recruiting. This is one thing, conversion though, when you're getting them to make that commitment to Christ, that's a personal thing. Not everybody's going to be on the same timeline as you. It's important that we take our time and let them make the decisions. We keep giving them the information and let them make the decisions. Jesus said it best when he told his disciples, uh, this is important too. Everybody said, I've talked to a lot of people, there's nobody out there. Well, if you keep reading in this same scripture that we're talking about, what does Jesus say? He said the best when he looked at his disciples said, Hey, lift up your eyes. Look, right here. 
These fields are white already with harvest. They're ready. We just got to go get it. And it's important. And uh, Haggai uh, 2.19, I think it is. Unfortunately, this is where a lot of us leave off too. It says that the seed's still in the barn. And we hadn't planted it yet. So we got to go get the seed and we got to take it out to where the ground is. And so the seed. It's important. Uh, sanctification is the next step. We talked about that a little bit in Sunday school this morning. Uh, sanctification is what? That's when you decided to follow Christ, and now we're a new Christian, and this involves a team. This is not just a recruiter. This is not just somebody sharing the gospel, but it takes a team. It takes that person that shared the gospel. It takes the church body. It takes the church leadership. It takes all of us to lead this person down the road to sanctification to get to the right spot. Very important that we work as a team, and I'm not going to go into detail because it's a whole other sermon, and it would take about seven hours in. But it's important that we get in, get them in with the church body. Now, one thing, this is this is another thing to kill me. There's a lot of things that kill me. It's a miracle I'm not dead yet. This is one thing that kills me. People think that they have witnessed somebody or evangelize somebody or share the gospel with somebody because they bring them to the church and say, yeah, I finally got him in here. And what do they do? They, they bring it right up to Pastor Steve. They bring the person right up to Josh and say, hey, look, brother, have a nice day. And they walk off. Like they evangelize that person or something. They didn't do no such thing. Do you not think that their brother or their friend or whoever it is that they brought to church knows what's going on? That's the reason they're in church. So you don't leave them. Another thing that kills me about that, I'm sorry, I'm ranting now. This is one of the things. So another thing that kills me about that is we invite somebody to church so they show up next Sunday and you're not here. What happened with that? What does that person think? That person then thinks that, hey, well, if it's not important to them, it's certainly not important to me to be here. So we've got to keep that in mind. If we invite somebody and we say we're going to be here, we need to be here. And we need to be with that person and let them know that we're here for them. And then sanctification, we get to that. That is when we get spread out and involve the team of the church body and the church leadership and get them headed down the right road as a disciple of Christ. So that's what sanctification is all about. And the last part, sometimes I get talking a little fast, and we could be doing like 15 minutes, but I don't know how long it's been. So, so the next part, we're going to go over to here in John and read, uh, starting in verse 39. So, and many Samaritans, and I just caught on to this this morning, by the way, I just got a message from this that I wasn't expecting. Many Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of our world. 
So, it took me three years to get that one recruit. But out of that one recruit, I got three. Now, you know, this one chapter right here through verse 42 is not very long. It's going to take longer than that for some people. I mean, Jesus is doing this, and it took him 42 verses. So it's going to take us a little longer sometimes with people. Um, so let's do a quick math list. And I could be wrong on my math because I did it in my head, which is I had a lot of space up there to work, so it's kind of difficult. But if you had a dollar, and I gave you another dollar, how many would you have? And if I gave you another dollar? Excellent. So we're on the right track, right? And I gave you another one? Okay, so what if instead we were to multiply or double our efforts? What would happen? So if you had a dollar and I gave you one, how many would you have? And we double that? And we doubled it again? Awesome! So, let's just say. So that's the difference, in case you didn't know, in case you are not a mathematical genius like I am. That's the difference between addition and multiplication. Okay? So when we add one, that's great. But how long, looking at the pews this morning, how long would adding one each Sunday take to bring enough people to God to fill his peace? Here, Jesus uses a multiplication method. And I didn't catch this right away, but the Samaritan woman, Jesus was doing what? He was sharing the with her, right? That's one person. So he added one to the people. What he, I'm sure he realized it, what I didn't realize until this morning was that one brought him how many? An entire village. An entire village. Some believe because of what? Her own testimony. That's why I was saying earlier your story is important. You have to know your story. How did you? Get from where you were to Christ. It involved what? Somebody. Somebody in the military. All the people you see, there's like 200 different jobs you can get into in the military, right? But there's two things that all of them, all of those soldiers, airmen, seamen, marines, all of them have in common. Guess what it is? Two things. They had to go through a recruiter, first of all, to get there. The only way somebody is going to come to Christ is if you go there and you tell them what's going on. The second thing they have in common is basic training. Every single one of them have to go through basic combat training of some sort. So that's the two things they have in common. After that, nothing. Those two things they have to go through to get to where they are. So, first of all, we have to share the gospel. Second thing is, as a church body, we have to sanctify that person. We have to give them 
basic combat training. Why? Because we are in a war. Whether you believe in spirits or not, we're in a war together. We have to recruit people to get them on our side and get them out there so that they can do battle, they can share the gospel, spread the good news. It's important. So, if we keep doubling our numbers, right? So, we got, we ended up with, what, $8? So, say we start with a dollar, we do that 10 times. How many dollars do we end up with? Ralph thought, man, I think about $512. I did it in my head, though, so I could be wrong. So, about $512, 10 times. So, if that was people, 10 times, 512 people. Just say What if we did that 10 more times? What would we have? In dollars, 5,000, I mean 524,288. That's just 20 times. What if we did And my math could be off a little bit, so if you got yourself on out there trying to keep up with me, don't blame it on me if I'm off a little bit. So if we did it ten more times after that, five hundred thirty-six million eight hundred seventy thousand nine hundred twelve people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people that we could bring to Christ if we used His own method of multiplication. Started talking to people, talking to more people. Once you get to one verse, this is another thing people do a lot of times. They get one verse, they're all happy. I've seen recruiters, they, they get an enlistment, they're all happy, they sit in their office for the next two weeks. It's not. It's not how it works. In recruiting, just as in Christianity, our mission is continuing. It's not that we do it once and done, one and done. We have to keep going out there. We've got to keep going after it. Keep building their so, Jesus used the multiplication method to effectively evangelize an entire village just by talking to one person. So it's important that we, as Christians, get out there and talk to people and keep talking. Okay, so to wrap it up, uh, if we're to feel, fulfill Jesus' command to us to go into all nations and teach train, prepare. Uh, it's important and important that we must, we must contact people. Don't be shy. And we must also connect with people. Move them towards the cross of Christ. Uh, we must gently, gently challenge their thinking and their former beliefs. Get them on the right track with us. That's the next step. After that, we must confirm that we know what we're talking about, that we're Christians, that we talk the talk and we walk the walk, that we do what we say we're going to do, that we are who we say we are, just like Christ did with the Samaritan woman. Then we call them to action, maybe just small steps at first, but nonetheless, we have to have them take action in some sort. Next, after we built the trust in the relationship, we ask them to convert to make a commitment to Jesus. There's a point, and you'll know when that is in the conversation and in the relationship where you have to put the word out there and say, hey, look, we've been doing this for three weeks now. You need to make a decision. What are you going to do? Um, after they made the commitment, that's when we, as a church body, church leadership, that we 
do sanctification, which is the next step, and then we build them as a disciple of Christ. With and through them, we add the multiplication method, which we will increase through multiplication if we, with those people and through those people, we reach out to our communities because they probably know somebody you don't know. We reach out to them. I used to recruit people all the time like that. Oh, you're interested? Excellent. We can do the paperwork and stuff, but you have friends? Yeah, I have friends. Well, do they do they know the same thing as you know? Yeah, are they interested in the same thing as you are? Yeah. Well, let's go talk to them. So I can go get a whole gang of them at one time coming in so I can take them instead of doing the one Tuesday thing. It's always important. Get to know people. Uh, I hope the Holy Spirit has inspired you today to move in God's direction. And now, for our call to action, there's always got to be one, right? Our call to action. If you don't know Christ, or your walk is taking him away, taking you away from him, the uh, altar's open. Josh is going to come up here. He's going to close us in prayer. But if you're a Christian, you are called to go into that world outside these doors and share the gospel. And I hope this gives you a set of steps that you can take in order to do it.